need to sort myself out. We'll sort, we'll sort you out. We'll sort you out. Yeah. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 11. We're carrying on going through Mark, and we are at verse 1. So Mark chapter 11 and verse 1. The words will be on the screen for you. Quite a lengthy passage. But I'm going to go for it. Let's, let's go for it. Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing, untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes, uh, sorry, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is, is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went out to see if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written... My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for ways to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. We've got three events here in this passage. We have Jesus entering Jerusalem, we have um, Jesus cursing this fig tree, and we have... Uh, Jesus entering the temple and cleansing the temple. And uh, of the second two events, one commentator said, out of all the parables and events in the Gospels, this is probably one of the most difficult. And you're thinking, oh, goodness. 
<laughs> Where do we go with this? Maybe that's... <laughs> but that's why, that's why we preach through passage by passage. We go through books like Mark and don't, don't miss out a passage because we're not picking and choosing our favourites. We're not just missing out the difficult bits. Actually, we're committed to preaching through passage by passage because this is the word of God to us. The, uh, the first part of this passage, though, reminds me of uh, when I was a teenager living in a, a small village in the East Midlands, just outside Lincoln. And the Sunday before Easter, what would happen, I think it's called Palm Sunday, isn't it? What would happen is the churches in our village would gather together before their meetings on that morning and they would get a donkey. I'm not sure where they got a donkey from, but they always used to find one and they would parade it through the village and, uh, and people would have uh, maybe branches to wave to kind of reenact this scene. And, uh, and so this donkey would be kind of brought through the village. And they would say the Sunday before, if you're around, please come an hour early and join in uh, with, with this and come down and, and come through the village with the donkey. And as a teenager, I remember just thinking, no, I don't want, it's donkey day. I don't want to go down to the village and, and parade with the donkey through the village because I thought I was cool then. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'd do the same if we tried to do that now down Linthorpe Road or Stockton High Street. I don't know. But Jesus is entering Jerusalem. It's the beginning of the week. This is Jerusalem. This is where he will be arrested. This is where he'll be tried. And then he'll be put to death. But three days later, he will rise in victory. And uh, there's a crowd welcoming him to the city. Some of them are his followers, uh, some of them perhaps not. And they shout, they sh- they're shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! They're welcoming him as their coming Messiah. They were waiting for a Messiah, they're waiting for a saviour. One who would save them, that he thought, from the Romans. The Romans are are dominating us. This Messiah will save us. He'll make us a great nation again. They're saying, Hosanna! Does anyone know what Hosanna means? God saves, praise God. Save, okay, yeah. All right, in some kind of way. Um, Sorry, that sounds a bit relative, doesn't it? Yeah, everything's right when you shout. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, Hosanna, the original Hebrew word, when it, was, when it was first used, meant it was a kind of a cry for help. Save us! Oh, help! Save us! Um, but as it kind of developed, and certainly by the time of Jesus and of this passage, it was more used as a cry of happiness. Salvation has come! We are saved. Our salvation is here. Hooray for salvation. Praise God. The crowd are saying, this is the one who will save us. All the signs were there. He's even riding into Jerusalem on a colt, a kind of young horse or a donkey, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, where it says, rejoice greatly, Daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal 
of a donkey. They knew what this meant. But there was a problem, and I apologise for repeating this, because as we've gone through Mark, we've repeated this message. Their expectations of the type of saviour that Jesus would be is different to the type of saviour he was. Their idea would be that he would defeat the Romans, he would set up an earthly kingdom. But his plan would be he would defeat sin and death. He would set up a kingdom in people's hearts. A kingdom that would never end. His rule in people's lives. See, the crowd don't really see their need, do they? They think their need is... The the need is not the Romans are destroying them. That's not their need. Something else was destroying them. Something else was destroying their communities. Actually, it was their disobedient hearts that had to be dealt with. And he'd come to sort that. See, we have all sorts of ideas of what our society needs, of what we need. We know what we need, and if Christianity fits in with that, well, great. But we know what it needs, our society says. If Christianity can help sort the problem, then fine. But if it can't, we don't need it. But what if you said to those people, do you know, what if, what if the problem is in the hearts of men and women? What if the problem is, is you and I and them? What would they say? So I want us to look this morning in the context of that, of these two events that happen. The fig tree and Jesus cleansing the temple. So he goes to the temple and it says he overturns the tables of the money changers and the people that are selling doves. This is a violent act. What happened to gentle Jesus, meek and mild? He is flipping tables. He is getting um, righteously angry. We need, to, we need to kind of have some background into, into what's going on here and I think that's really helpful. See, the money changers were there. If you were... If you were Jewish, you would come to the temple and uh, you would have to pay the temple tax. So the tax was there for you to pay. And you might have to pay it once a year, I think, something like that. Um, but if you were Jewish from another nation, perhaps, if you weren't, uh, and you were cu- kind of coming to the temple, you would have to pay that tax, but you would come with your money. And it's the wrong kind of money. You needed to change it into, into the local currency. So there was money changes here, and you could come and change your money there. And so that, that's what was going on there. They're, they're being able to change their money so that they can pay the temple tax. And uh, the other thing that's there is that it's mentioned there's people selling doves. What's going on there? Well, actually, they were for sacrifices in the temple. So people would sell animals in the temple courts so that people could uh, make sacrifices, make the sacrifices they needed to make Uh, prescribed by Old Testament law and they could buy them there and then. They sound like helpful services, don't they? What's the problem with that? People are just being helpful. Well, it seems, the first problem seems to be that they were seemingly charging extortionate prices for those services. Maybe even 
a little bit of cheating, probably lots of haggling, being in the Middle East. They might have been cheating people out of money. Jesus says, you've turned it into a den of robbers. And secondly, it seems to be that it's all set up in the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles was anyone who was not a Jew. So if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. That's what you were called. And you were not allowed in all parts of the temple. Can you... uh, um, Sandra, can you put up the uh, slide for me, please, of, of the temple? Just, this, this is just helpful to see. I know some of you are visual people, so you kind of, you kind of, uh, that's helpful for you. But you were not allowed in all parts of the temple. You were only allowed in the bit called the Court of the Gentiles. And uh, when the map comes up, I'm going to show you where that bit is. Oh, there we go. You were only allowed in one bit. Of the, I need one of those laser pens, don't I? Um, you can see the, the, the bit in the middle, the holy place. Uh, you can see the bit where um, uh, the Jewish men were allowed in. There's the court of women, apologies women. There's a kind of another bit for you. Uh, there, there's, there's kind of outside, there's the court of the Gentiles. And uh, if you were not a Jew, you weren't allowed in the main bit of the temple. You were only allowed in the court of the Gentiles. That was for you. But the temple authorities had set up these tables in the court of the Gentiles. Not just one or two. In fact, they said on, in, on days of religious festivals, thousands of animals could be bought and sacrificed in one day. So there's all sorts of animals being bought um, and sacrificed. Loads and loads of tables. Not, not just kind of one or two tables like our cake stall here. Please no one go and tip them over at the end of the meeting. Um, no, no, no. It's, it's packed with tables. And uh, you can imagine this is quite busy. But not only this, it says that people are using it as a cut through as well. People are cutting through. They, oh, it's quite convenient actually to kind of use it as a, as a place to take through my merchandise. I've got some, I've got some big crates of uh, doves or big crates of my shopping, and I'm, I, it's quite helpful for me just to carry it through the. It's a cut, it's a shortcut through, so I can do that, can't I? And people were cutting through. Could you imagine that if that was here, if uh, at the back of the meeting we had uh, people using it? Oh, it's quite convenient to get from this part of Middlesbrough to that part of Middlesbrough, so I can just come through with all my little shopping and kind of rustle it through. Oh, I've got some sheep I need to get through, so don't mind me, you're having your church meeting, but I need to get these sheep through here. Could you imagine the disturbance? Could you imagine the noise? See, the temple was the place you came to encounter the very presence of God. And it's meant, to be, it's meant to be symbolic. This is, God is with us. Look, people, God is with us, they're saying. The temple. Come and be reminded that God is with his people. But actually all this, all this busyness, all this buying and selling, all that was happening in this place was happening in the place where the Gentiles were meant to worship God.
and meet with him. So Jesus reminds them. He reminds them what God had said through the prophet Isaiah. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That was God's plan. That was God's heart. That whatever ethnic group you are from, whatever nation you are from, you would be able to meet God in prayer in the temple. There was an invite, although limited, there was an invite to everyone. So I love that that is fulfilled in the church. Can we lose the slide now, Sandra? Is that okay? Brilliant, thank you. I love that that's fulfilled in the church, in Christ. The people of God become a house of prayer for all nations. That all nations are called, invited to worship God and encounter him. That doesn't just mean non-English people. Actually, in the context, when Jesus was saying it, he was talking about us, that we would be, we were all nations. So that country over there, that island, whatever it was called then, Britannica, it would be a, the people of God will be for them, that they will be all nations. And so it's wonderful that there's a flavour of that today. English, Eritrean, Iranian, Angolan, West African. The church is a place, is a house of prayer for all nations. Let's just, just as uh, Shirley brought that news from Alpha, and, and Helen's word before that, the people of God are a prayer, a place for all nations to come. We don't normally do this, but just stop. I want us just to pray for a minute and just thank God for that. That there's an invite to Teesside to come and encounter God, not in a building, but to personally come to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that promise that we see and we know is we're part of the fulfilment of that. This nation, thousands of miles, thousands of years after you said it. And we live in the goodness of it. Thank you. Lord, I ask that this place would be a place where nations can come. Thank you. Thank you that it is. For English, for non-English, to come and encounter you, to come and know you, to be part of the people of God. Thank you you're doing that around this world. And sometimes that's really difficult in some nations. we thank you that that's fulfilled in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So the Gentiles, the Gentiles had been stopped 
They've been stopped from worshipping God. There's noise, there's commotion. What had gone wrong? Well, actually, the Jewish leaders had replaced what being the people of God was with simply just external behaviour, external rituals. It'd become about paying the temple tax. It'd become about making the right sacrifices. It'd become about what men and women can do to please God. Not about who they were. What external acts, what do I have to do to make God pleased with me? To make sure that God is on my side, to keep him on my side, what do I need to do? They'd forgotten that it was about relationship. That had become so less important. Do you know, have you found yourself in that place where life is not about a faith-filled walk with God, but just about external behaviour? Do you know, if I just read the Bible, if I just keep Sundays really good, if I'm just kind, I'll keep God on my side. Don't get me wrong, how we live is really important. But actually it's where it comes from. It's where it comes from that is the most important. Which is why we're going to look at this uh, passage about the fig tree. Um, Because it's not a coincidence that... um, in between the, the, this story about the fig tree is Jesus going into the temple and what he does in the temple. So we get this story of the fig tree. Jesus is hungry. A good reminder of Jesus being fully God and fully man. He's hungry. And uh, he comes to a fig tree. And it's in leaf. That's a good sign. That means that's good. But there's nothing to eat on it. And we're told it's not the season for figs. And he curses it. Because it's not going to satisfy his hunger. It sounds a little bit unfair, doesn't it? Is he just having an off day? But, do you know, there's some things we can know about fig trees, which are really helpful. And uh, there there are two types of figs on fig trees. Okay? And uh, if you, uh, perhaps you're, if you're from that kind of area, perhaps you know this already. If you don't, well, I hope this is helpful. Um, but in springtime, you start to get leaves on figs, on fig trees. And then before the full figs come, you, they grow these kind of small green, uh, kind of pre-figs. Um, they're lo- known locally in kind of that, the local Arabic as Taksh, I'm probably really pronouncing that wrong. Um, T-A-Q-S-H. They're known as Taksh. They're, they're, kind of, they're kind of little green pre-figs that grow before the full figs appear. And eventually they just drop off and the full figs come in the summer. And they can just be eaten. And that's what would happen. People would go around and just kind of pick off the Taksh and they would eat them. And they, they're perfectly edible and, and, and perfectly tasty. Um, And so Jesus, Jesus knows it's not the season for figs. But he's not looking for the full figs. He is just looking for those pre-figs, those tacks. But no pre-figs means there's not going to be any full figs. See, its leaves gives the impression that it's going to be fruitful. 
However, it is fruitless, both for prefigs and for full figs. Well, what does this tell us then? Is this just kind of supernatural gardening tips from Jesus? Is this kind of supernatural gardener's question time? No, no, this is really, really important. See, Jesus is teaching us how this kind of new life in him works and how we are to be fruitful. And that is, it is not by external behaviour. It's not simply by being a better person. Do you know, for us that might not mean, you know, for us it's not the temple tax or sacrificing doves, but actually we might replace it with modern day things. Living up to certain expectations, trying to be better than the person next to us. Who falls into that temptation? It might be in our financial giving to the church or to others. It might be in good deeds. Listen, beware the danger of outward impression of fruitfulness, but inward deadness. Picture it like this. Imagine a farmer. Imagine a farmer looking out on his fields. It looks full. It looks ready. It looks like it's been a good season. But as he goes out to his fields, he sees it was all for show. He sees there's no harvest. There's no fruit. There's no produce. There's no food. Listen, that's not the Christian life. The Christian life works from the inside outwards. Jesus makes us fruitful. That's the Christian life. We allow his life to transform us. Why? Because it's about his perfect life. Not about ours. It's about him at the cross giving himself for us. Dealing with our sin. Making us new. See, that's where the Christian life begins. I know my sin is dealt with. As we sang that song, I know that as far as the far as the east is from the west, my transgressions are dealt with. I'm guessing transgressions is a difficult word if you're uh, to sing if you are if English isn't your first language. I know my sin is dealt with. I know all the mess that was in between me and God has been removed. As far as the east is from the west. It's been dealt with. I'm new. I'm changed from within. I know I'm loved forever. That's how the Christian life starts. And do you know what? That's how the Christian life continues. That's how we walk through life. I know that now it's his strength that helps me in daily life. It's a life of faith, not of empty ritual, not of endless effort. I hope I'm doing enough to please God. See, this is a life of faith that is really powerful. And uh, next week, Paul is going to talk more on the fig tree because it goes on. And we get to see what a life of faith looks like. How powerful it is. See, this is, this is the type of salvation that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem to declare. 
Freedom from sin. Freedom from fruitlessness into fruitfulness. See, so often we can see it the other way around, can't we? You know, we think that the Christian life is we better learn the rules. We better stick to the rules. We better hope God will love us because we're sticking to the rules. That's not the Christian life. Do you know, this is not just a 21st century problem. Did you know that? It's really not. In the early 1600s, there was a a guy, a Puritan preacher called uh, Richard Sibbs, and uh, he saw that this was a problem in England in the early 1600s. People would go to, a, go to church on a Sunday, they would uh, hear a message, perhaps about the Ten Commandments, perhaps about one of the Ten Commandments, and uh, he said they would leave confused about... They didn't even know if, if God forgave them. And, and all they did was they just left thinking, I've just got more burdens to carry, I've just got more things I've got to do. We've just got more things I've got to live up to. And uh, so they just carried on as if forgiveness depended on how well they could do that week. But Sib said, do you know, that's not the way the Christian life works. That's not how to be fruitful. He said the answer is God's free grace. See, when we delight, when we see all that Jesus has done for us in making us right with God forever. Do you know we're changed? We're changed from the inside out. And do you know, he said this, which I love. He said this, the Christian's task, the Christian's first task is to warm ourselves at this fire of love and mercy in Jesus giving himself for us. Our first task is to warm ourselves at this fire of love and mercy in Jesus giving himself, giving himself for us. That fire brings life. Daily celebrating in that brings life. Listen, Jubilee, we are not called to just try harder. We are called to live forever in the presence and wonder of Christ and what he has done, and who he is. And I know that some of us, perhaps some of you, have come out of situations where actually the focus has been on what you can do. What can you do to make God pleased with you? You better be good this week. You better live up to the standard this week. Maybe some of us are still living there. And Jesus called us and has called you into a relationship of faith. That's where it starts and that's where it continues. Stop trying to go back into earning that relationship. Perhaps you're a new Christian here and you sometimes ask yourself the question, what do I need to do to make sure God keeps happy with me? Do you know it's the wrong question? He's happy with you because you're in the sun. And your first task is like what Sib said, to warm yourself at this fire of love and mercy in Jesus giving himself for you. Perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time. Do you know the same is true 
for you too. Do you know, that's what produces fruitfulness. It sounds a bit selfish, doesn't it? All I've got to do is just warm myself at the fire of Jesus. Just, no, that sounds far too selfish. No, no, this, believe me, this changes, transforms you and changes us and propels us out into a world that doesn't know him. See, the, the New Testament talks a lot about fruitfulness, but it's always in the context of righteousness with God through Christ. It's always in the context of faith in Jesus, walking, faith-filled walking with him to fruitfulness. Just to kind of confuse the pictures a little bit, the church is called to be a living fruitful temple. The church is called to be, we are called to be a fig tree that God is making fruitful. That we would be fruitful in Teesside. That we would be declaring to Teesside, to the nation, to other nations, Jesus saves. Hosanna! Teesside, salvation has come. Salvation is here. Hosanna! Not calling people to just do a bit more. Just behave a little bit better. No, no. Come to Jesus. Salvation is here. We're not saying, look at us. Look at our behaviour. Look how well we behave. We're saying, no, no, look at him. And look at how wonderful he is. That is where I want us to finish today. That's where I want us to celebrate in. If the band could come up. I've asked us to sing uh, uh, a song we've done before, Hosanna in the Highest. But that's where I want us to finish. Celebrating that salvation has come. Salvation has come to you and I. And salvation is here for Teesside, for this nation, for the nations. Celebrating that we are saved, but also celebrating that salvation is here for our neighbours, for our streets, for our communities. God is at work today. Praise God for what God has been doing on Alpha. Wonderful. We're confident that God is at work in Teesside. Let's pray before we worship. Lord Jesus, we come to you knowing that we're in you. Lord, we don't come thinking, what can we, what can we do to please you? What can we do to earn that acceptance what can we do to earn favour with you to earn our salvation we're not coming like that we're coming knowing salvation has come to us we're coming knowing that we're yours we're coming knowing that we're forever in the son who is loved and because he's loved we are loved we're coming in your righteousness and we thank you
we thank you. We thank you we can't earn that. We thank you it's not deserved. But it's your grace on your people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your promise that your house will be a house of prayer for all nations where we have the privilege of approaching the living God. Where now the way is open. Where, praise God for what you're doing on Alpha. People, there was an invite there for people to come to know you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we're asking for more. We're asking for, thank you, you are advancing your kingdom right across this place. Thank you for the privilege of using us. Thank you that we can declare to our streets and our neighbours and our friends and our family that salvation has come because you have come. And they don't have to behave a bit better, make a few external sacrifices, but come to you come to you and receive forgiveness and the gift of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here that might just be struggling with, what have I got to do to please God? Maybe it's from past history. Maybe it's from present. Lord, I pray, come to them by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have brought freedom to them and they are loved forevermore. And thank you that even in that you are making them fruitful, not from external acts, but because you have put your spirit in them and now he is changing them day by day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are wonderful. We love you. We adore you. Let's stand and sing this song together.